chapter number 4. And we want us to look at the idea of a life of love. It's interesting how 1 John, we talk about fellowship with God, relationship with God, um, how the Christian is supposed to interact with God, how the Christian is supposed to uh, interact with the world to some degree, um, and the relationship, I guess, with the world. And consistently, though, throughout the book of 1 John comes up the topic of love. Um, which is, it shouldn't be surprising, right? I mean, God said it's one of the, the greatest commandments out there to love God and to love your neighbor. So it shouldn't be surprising that it comes up in a book or a letter written to Christians on how a Christian is supposed to live, that love continually comes up. And we've talked about it a lot in, in our church about what that means, how to love the way that God wants us to love. Because the world's definition of love is different than the Bible's definition of love. But at the same time, the world has it right, I think, oftentimes in accusing many Christians of not loving the way the Bible tells us to love. Now, they're still wrong in what they mean by that, but they're not wrong oftentimes in the fact that we are not loving people the way that God intends for us to. We get kind of in this, this mindset or this mentality of, well, we are better than them. Well, that's, that's not true. Um, we are created equal. We are filthy, just like they are. The difference may be the fact that we've understood our filthiness and we've asked God to forgive us and to save us. But that doesn't change the fact that God still loves them as much as God loves me. And it doesn't change the fact that I'm supposed to love them as much as God loves them. But of course, this book, written to Christians, telling us how to live this life of love. And so today I'd like us to see three things. An example of love, a mirrored life of love, and an ultimatum of love. Let's look as a text starting in verse number 7. The Bible says, Beloved, which is interesting, isn't it? We are loved, beloved, beloved of God, beloved. Let us love one another, Christian to Christian. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth knoweth not, uh, excuse me, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We'll look at all of verse 4 this morning, but this is a great way to jump off uh, here this morning. Again, we're looking at loving in this situation, loving our brothers, loving our sisters, loving fellow Christians. And uh, I'm excited about what God has for us. Let's ask Him for His help. Lord, thank You for letting us come again today. Thank You for Your Word and what it teaches us. And Lord, I pray that You'd help us today. I pray that You'd help us to be reminded of Your love for us. And Lord, I pray that You would grow our love for each other. And so, Lord, I pray that as I present these verses, that I would do so clearly and that I do so correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here in these, these first three verses, four verses of this passage, uh, an example of love given to us. An example of love given to us. And we see uh, here as it talks about in verse number um, 8, it says, God is love. It reminds me of John 1.1 where it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God, Jesus, uh, however you want to spell it, was the Word, is the Word. 
And it was from the beginning, and it still exists to this day. And the same is true, not only was God the Word, or is the Word, but God is love, and He always has been. From the beginning of time, God is or was uh, love. God will be love. God is characterized by His love. If you grew up in church, you grew up in a church that probably leaned one direction or the other. One was uh, where the focus was on the judgment of God, and the other one is where the focus is on the love of God. And if you were fortunate enough to grow up in a balanced church, you heard both. Uh, But a lot of people who run from Christianity, if I can use that word, uh, or religion, whatever it may be, where they run from it is because a lot of times all they heard about was the aspect of God's judgment. That's not the only reason. There's a lot of reasons why people run from God. Um, But in my life, the way that I grew up and the church that I grew up in or churches I grew up in, the people that I know that kind of got away from God or ran away from God, one of the, uh, the most common reasons why is they just got tired of hearing about judgment, 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 judgment. God is a God of judgment. He's just. He's perfect. And so He judges sin because He's perfect. But God is so much more than a judge judging God. And when I say judgy, that sounds bad, right? Because we use that word in a very negative context. So you're very judgy. You're judging me. You're not supposed to judge me. You don't know me. Um, all those kinds of things. But, but God, He does judge. He judges perfectly, justly, righteously. He is responsible, because He is perfect, to judge uh, uh, unperfectness. That's not a word. Unrighteousness. Uh, sin. And so He does so. But... God is not characterized by His judging. He's characterized by His love. It's because God loves us that God gives us the opportunity to avoid the ultimate judgment for our sin. And it's because of that love that Jesus came to earth. It's because of that love that God sent His Son to the earth to die for me because God loved me, because God is love. It's the reason why Jesus died on the cross for you. It's because God loves you. God is the epitome of love. There is no better example in all of time than God when it comes to love and how we should love. But I think how we should love gets talked about a fair amount, at least at our church. But why do we love? That might be more important than how we love. If we understand why we love, we're better we're more likely to love. I'm sorry for you grammar teachers out there today. It's not going to be a good day for you. Um, it, it's, it's why do we love? Because if we know why we love, then we are better at loving the way God wants us to love. So why do we love? Well, we love because love is of God. Love is of God. It says in verse number 7, Beloved, that means we are loved of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Well, why do we love? Well, because we are of God. And if we are of God and love is of God, then we should be loving also. If you are saved today, that's the the term that that we use uh, when you put your faith in the saving grace of God to save you. If you are saved today, you are now of God. And your life should represent that. We talked about it, or, or, and I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, whenever it was, but uh, about the importance of if you grew up in a home that was proud of their name, wanted to maintain a good, good name, 
so in my, my home, you know, dad would say, you're a stover. I tell my kids this too. There are certain things stovers do and there are certain things stovers don't do. Most importantly, stovers don't run. Ever. Uh, we run when it's necessary. If there's a bear chasing us, we run. If we're playing a game that involves running, we run. Uh, if, if we're doing something leisurely, we're not running. It's just not going to happen. Stovers don't do that. Stovers don't hike. Are you catching the trend here? Um, <laughs> Stovers don't hike. My dad always said, uh, Mr. Stover, would you like to go on a hike? He said, oh, something came up, the humidity. Um, and so Stovers don't hike. I, I learned some valuable things from my dad. Um, there are certain things Stovers don't do. Uh, I tell my kids, you know, Stovers, Stovers, we don't lie. Stovers aren't late. Um, we just, there are things about a, a stover that characterize stovers, and we want to keep that characterization of stovers. And there are things that we want to make sure that we do because being part of this family that God put, put us in, um, we want to make sure we uphold a good name uh, for, for our name to carry on. And the, when you think about the things of God, it is so much more important than the stover name. Uh, being of God means that, that my life should be characterized in a way that represents God perfectly. And so if I'm of God and love is of God, then I should love. Because love is of God and I'm of God. Because of our relationship, because of our fellowship that we talked about in chapter 1, because of our fellowship with God, our relationship with God is another reason why we should love, right? Verse number 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Now again, that's talking about that relationship, that fellowship, that perfectness with God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So meaning that because I am of God, because if my relationship is, is right with God, then I'm going to be loving. Why should I love? I should be loving because I want the right relationship with God. Because I want that fellowship open with God. Uh, so many Christians, young Christians, old Christians, it doesn't matter, I guess, but uh, I see it more often in young Christians. They don't have a, 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 the right fellowship with God. Uh, kids, teenagers, young adults, and I think the older we get, the more it makes it somewhat easier in some ways. But uh, I, I recognize it a lot in younger Christians where they're sitting there and they, just, they don't have fellowship with God. They're not praying like they're supposed to. They're not reading their Bible like they're supposed to. Um, you know, and, 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 and there's just not that fellowship with God. And so there is the, an attitude towards other people that is not right. They don't love people. They want to be liked or they want to be cool. I, I don't know if they still use that word or not. Uh, they want to be hip. I, no, I don't think they use that word at all. But uh, they, want to, they want to be in, right? They want to fit in. And so in order to fit in, you've got to pick on somebody. Now, in my family, this is partly my fault because I pick on everybody. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get better at that. Thank you, Lord. Um, uh, but to, to fit in, right, you've got to pick out the weakling and pick on them. I sound loving people. Uh, I'm coaching basketball now, and, and, and I, I try. I've got four captains on our team. And, uh, and I've talked with them about, you know, hey, there's people that kind of, they go sit on their own. Every practice, they're kind of standing by themselves. They're, they're not being a part of the team. I said, it is your guys' responsibility to go bring them in. You're, you're the leaders, so you've got to go out and get them. You can't just expect them to jump in. You need to go out and find them, have them sit next to you, talk to them, laugh with them, you know, make them part of the team, make them feel part of the team. Um, it, it is, a, it is a, a very light illustration of love, but that's what we are to do. We aren't to go out and pick 
pick on the people. We're supposed to go out and love the people. We're supposed to go over and bring them in. We're supposed to uh, go in and gather them. We're supposed to show them God's love uh, by loving them the way that God loved us and helping them see that God loves them too. It's because of our relationship with God. If I want the right relationship with God, then I have to love other people. So why do we love? We love because uh, love is of God. We love because of our relationship with God, and we love because God loved me. Verse number 9 and verse number 10, in, in this was manifested in the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, the world, remember, which John 3.16 tells us He loved, uh, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation, to take our place, to take that punishment for our sins. So I love because God loves me. It's interesting because, first of all, we know that, that I, I'll not match that love. I can try and I can strive, but I'm not going to match the love that God has for me. That's because God knows everything about me and He still loves me. I can know a lot about you and I can love you, but I'm not going to know everything about you. There are things that you might tell me, and, and, and I've told you this before as a pastor, uh, in the workplace, I'll have coworkers tell me things because I'm a pastor. I'll have customers tell me things because they find out I'm a pastor. And it's like they're confessing to me. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I don't need to know any of that. That is, uh, that is not important for me to know. And, uh, and I hear things, and I wish I didn't sometimes. And I know some of, some of those secrets. I might know some of the things that you shared with me that not everybody else knows, whatever. But I don't know everything about you, and you don't know everything about me. That makes it easier to love someone you don't know everything about them. God knows everything about me, and He still loves me. God knows everything about you, and He still loves you. Isn't that amazing? But what's important to understand about a life of love is it's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about God. It says there in verse, verse number 10, uh, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Just like everything else in the Christian life, it's not about you. A Christian life is not centered around you. You living right, you living perfectly, you living justly, you living godly. It's not about you. It's about God. And if God's not the priority, if God's not the focal point, you're not going to live a life of love. Because it's not about you loving God, it's about God loving you. And by the way, that's a very freeing thought. The fact that it's not about me and that it's all about Him. And now my life can be lived freely under the love of God. And now I have the freedom to go and love other people because God loved me. And that's what it's all about, a life of love. And we use the example of love given to us by God and His love for us. Number two this morning, I want us to see a mirrored life of love. Meaning, if God loves me, then I need to mirror that, that example that we're given. If God loves me, I really don't have an excuse to not love other people. Verse number 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Now again, a letter written to Christians. So we're talking Christian to Christian here, not Christian to the world, although the Bible's very clear that we are to love our neighbors, uh, those in the world as well. 
But here we're talking specifically, Christian to Christian. And he says, beloved, again, reminding, and that's the way I take it at least, reminding me you are loved of God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And it really goes in that same mindset. God knows everything about me. God, God knows my, my deepest, darkest secrets. He knows the sins that I committed when I was a young child to the sins I committed this morning. God knows everything about me, and He still loves me. So Vince, that's me, uh, if God loved you, you ought also to love them. Some of you are hard to love. Did you know that? <laughs> you're probably thinking, yes, pastor, you're hard to love too. Uh, the difference is I get it. <laughs> I know I'm hard to love. My wife has told me for many, many years. Um, I'm kidding. She, she didn't say that very often. Um, if God loves me, I ought to love you. And if God loves you, you ought to love me. Hi, dear. Sorry. Uh, she's watching through the window. Uh, <clears throat> It's a mirrored life. I mirror the love that God gives me to others. I, I mirror it to God and how I love Him. And I mirror it to you. I'm supposed to uh, the same way that God loves me. It's important because as Christians, especially as, uh, I'll use the word mature Christian, Christian meaning uh, not necessarily old people, but those who have learned and grown in the Bible. All right, We are responsible to be an example to others. The Bible says that the older to teach the younger. And it's not always an age thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Bible thing. And we see here where we come in now that, that others are going to see God through the way that I live, positively or negatively. Look in verse number 12. It says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And His love is perfected, fulfilled, completed in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us His Spirit. We have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we know, excuse me, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. So we're looking again at what God has done for us, right? And again, reminding us, first of all, who is one another? Who is the, the brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, it's, it's, it's really fairly simple. Uh, verse 15, Whosoever confesseth, or whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Uh, the brother and sister in Christ is those who have been saved. Again, I use that word, and I grew up in church, and I apologize if that's not a common term. And those who have been saved. By saved, again, what do we mean? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans, Romans 3.23, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Because of sin, we all fall short. Not a single person in this world who is qualified for heaven. We all fall short. And the Bible says that the wages of sin, the penalty of sin, is death, eternal separation from God. We're going to look at that in the afternoon service when we look at Adam and Eve today. Uh, but is, is, is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's, it's, it's life eternal with God. And as opposed to eternal separation, it's eternal fellowship. It's, eternal, it's eternity with God. 
Uh, it says that God commended His love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ still died for us. God knowing that I'm a sinner. Christ knowing that, 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 that I'm filthy. He still died for me. And then the Bible says that whosoever, any person who calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. If you say, God, save me. God says, yes. I've met so many people who said, but you don't understand the life that I've lived. And I say, I don't need to understand the life that you've lived. God understands it. And God says, if you call on Him, He'll save you. God is not a God of rejection. God is a God that fulfills His promise. He's a God that does not lie. And He said, you're a sinner and you deserve hell, but I loved you, and so I sent my Son to die for you. And He rose again from the dead, becoming victorious over that sin and over death. And He says, if you'll call on Me, I will save you. And anyone who's done that is of God. They have God dwelling within them. All right, so that's who our, our brother and sister is. That's who the one another is as well. But we see now we have to testify of God. We have to show other people about God. And in verse 16 says, We've known, We have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in Him. Now again, that goes right back to chapter 1, the fellowship with God, the fellowship that God wants us to have, the fellowship that God desires for us to have, the fellowship that God has made for us to have, we can have if what? We dwell in love. As it says earlier in the book, if we keep His commandments. His commandment is to love one another. If we obey God, then we are in fellowship with God. It's not about uh, whether or not we are saved or not at this point. We're talking to Christians in 1 John. So we're talking to saved people. It's about maintaining the fellowship with God. Being connected with God. And I cannot be connected with God if I don't love and there's so many times we'll look at other people and we'll say, I, I just, I don't love that person. There's nothing about that person that's lovable. Whether it's coworkers, sometimes it's family members, past friends, neighbors, whatever it may be. We come across people, politicians, we come across people that we go, I don't like that person, I don't love that person, I hate that person, whatever it may be. Now, first John's talking about Christian to Christian, but, it, but the rest of the Bible tells us and teaches us we have to love them too. And if I'm not loving people, then I'm not dwelling with God and God's not dwelling with me. Again, it's not that I lose my salvation. It has nothing to do with salvation. It's my fellowship. My relationship with God is broken. It's hindered when I don't love. And if I don't love biblically, let's make sure we had that word in there, right? Don't love biblically. The way that God desires for me to love. I'm supposed to mirror that love gave to me, that God gave to me, for other people. God loves me, so I'm mirrored in my life by my love for others. It's going to bring things into my life. It's going to bring confidence. Look at verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Again, that's completed, fulfilled, satisfied, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Loving others the way that God loves me is going to bring a confidence or a boldness in my life. There, you can read uh, a, a million different missionary stories of people who went in. Go, go read um, uh, about uh, read Elizabeth Elliot's stuff. She has some great stuff out there. 
and understand that, that by loving other people brings the confidence, and we'll get to this in just a second, but confidence to continue loving people. There is, um, uh, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, so we'll get to that in just a second. Let's, let's move on, we'll get to it. Um, look in verse number 18. Fear and love don't mix. So that boldness and that confidence comes by love. Uh, fear and confidence, or fear and love, excuse me, don't mix. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. Now listen. I believe the Bible to be true. I believe it to be God's Word. The Bible says that all of it is inspired by God. So I believe in, in inspiration of the Bible. I believe it is God's Word. And I don't believe that God lies. I believe that everything that God says is true. It says in verse 18, there is no fear in love. And we'll explain that in just a second. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. My fear of deserved punishment means that I don't believe the love of God. We have a hard time comprehending everything about the love of God because it is perfect and we just, we're not perfect. And so we struggle sometimes with realizing how God can love me in spite of me or how God can love someone else in spite of them sometimes. We go, there's no way that God can love that person. But what it comes down to is a fear of deserved punishment. I deserve uh, nothing that God gives me. I don't deserve the mercy and the grace that God gives me. I don't deserve the love that God gives me. And so oftentimes, a Christian can live in fear of what they deserve versus in the perfected love that God offers. And we struggle with that sometimes. Fear makes us a slave. Love provides freedom. If you think back, and if you've read or or seen anything about slaves in the past, basically a slave would live in constant fear because a slave at any moment could be punished whether they did right or wrong. At any moment, on a bad day, I mean, you have a boss, or most of you do, and you know if your boss is having a bad day, you know what to do. At least I do. I stay clear. If I walk into work and my boss is having a bad day, you know what I do? See you later. And I go on my way and go do my job, and I try to avoid him at all costs. This is just not worth it. (laughs) A slave couldn't do that. And so a slave lived in constant fear. At any moment, they could be beaten in some cases, killed. Not for anything necessarily that they did. It was just it was a constant life of fear. And that's exactly what happens for Christians many times as well. Fear makes us a slave. Where we're constantly afraid of what God is going to do to me. Or what's going to be the outcome of this situation. Or if I, if I love this person, what will these people think? Man, how scary is it that as grown adults, we care about what other people think if we do right or not. If I love this person, well, then these, my friends, they won't want to have us over anymore. They, they'll think that we've gone off the deep end or they're going to whatever. Okay, but well, what does God think? It's not about you. It's about God. Sometimes we won't love people for fear of what they'll do to us. 
Now listen, I'm not saying be stupid. I'm not saying walk down a dark alley in New York City at, at 3 o'clock in the morning, all right, to love, to love someone over there. I, that's not what I'm saying. But a lot of times we won't love people for fear of the outcome. Well, if I love them and I put uh, uh, my love into them and ultimately they reject it, then how much time did I waste? Now, I'll tell you, as a pastor, that's a big battle that I face. There are times where I sit there and I, I just say, you know what, what's the point of pouring into these people? They're, they're going to be gone in a month or two. I can tell because I've seen it before. Well, that's the wrong attitude to have. That's not loving people. Fear makes us a slave, but love gives us freedom. Loving people the way that God loves me gives me the freedom to live my life trusting that God's going to take care of it. And so here I go. I go and love these people. And whatever happens, happens. But I'm free to love them because God loves me. Now think about this for a moment. If God thought the way that we think, <laughs> and Jesus comes to earth, and he grows up in Mary and Joseph's house with his brothers and sisters and his cousins and all these people in the neighborhood. And he's getting older and he's getting older. And he said, okay. So I'm here for the purpose of dying. That's the whole reason Jesus came to earth. I'm here to die, and I'm here to die for these people. Remember, his own people, the people of Nazareth, rejected him. He said, no, you're the carpenter's son. You're not God. If Jesus thought the way that we think, I'm not going to love these people because they're going to nail me to a cross. Think about that for a second. Jesus loved the people, the soldiers, the politicians, the, the hypocrites, the people who were out to get him for years, knowing what they were going to do to him. He still loved them. You see, it's a mirrored life of love. I'm supposed to mirror that. I can love someone that I will assume is not going to love me back. But I can do it freely knowing that God loved me. And if I fear what that person will do versus following what God tells me to do, then I'm a slave. And I'm not free. Now again, there are people, and I don't, I don't ever encourage people to put themselves in an unsafe situation. Pray and ask God for wisdom and guidance and God will give it to you. But love the people the way that God tells you to love them. And do it freely knowing that you're free to do so. We don't initiate love with God. Remember, God loved us. It's not that we loved Him, it's that He loved us. We love Him because He proved His love for us. Verse 19, with love, we love Him because He first loved us. We have a proven love in God. He's already proved that He loved us. There, there is nothing that God can do um, to love us more. He already loves us fully. It's perfected love, completed love. All right, so... We understand here that we don't initiate that love for, with God, uh, but He loved us. He proved it to us, and now we need to prove our love to other people. They ought to be able to see, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. How sad is it that Christians look across the aisle so many times and, and they don't think that that person loves them? And I'm telling you, we, we make up all these excuses. Well, my personality is, listen, I grew up uh, with Yankee parents. And I grew up in a southern home. So I got a weird mixture of Yankee and South. 
all right? I grew up around um, politeness. I grew up around manners. Um, I grew up around the, the, those kinds of friendliness, I suppose. But then I went to college up north, and there's a different personality up north. Uh, there are nice, nice people up north, but there's, there's a very different. My wife's from Michigan. Michigan people are just different. I mean, uh, and California people are different. Arizona people are different. It, it doesn't matter where you go. They're different than wherever you grew up at. But there is this, I don't know, there's just not as, as an openness, I guess, in my experiences with most people up north. And, and you know, it's just, it's just weird. But, but then Christians will say, well, the reason why I don't talk to that person is because my personality. Well, I'm from wherever. Or the reason why I do this is because that's how I was raised. Or the reason why I act this way is because whatever. We make up all these excuses for why we don't do what God wants us to do. Your Christian brother or sister should know that you love them. They shouldn't have to wonder. They shouldn't have to guess. Um, and they should love you too, yes, but, but we can't control what they do, right? We can only control what we do. Because God loved me, I need to live a mirrored life of love and love other people. I don't need for them to initiate their love to me. I need to initiate my love to them as God did to me. And that's just the way it's supposed to be. We have an example of love in Jesus Christ, a mirrored life of love that I'm supposed to live. And let's close it out with an ultimatum of love. You cannot love God if you hate your brother. Verse number 20, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he hath loved not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. You have an option, a choice, which is interesting because uh, pretty much all of the Christian life is a choice. And God says here very simply, if you say you love God, but you hate your Christian brother or sister, you're a liar. Now listen, we grew up, uh, at least I did, at a time of the common little chant, liar, liar, pants on fire, which really kind of takes down the impact of the word liar. God, including other things, in Revelation says liars have their place in the lake of fire. God doesn't like a liar. Maybe you heard your mom say, mom, mom doesn't like a liar. Uh, I don't know. God does not like liars. And if you're going to have that perfect fellowship with God, if you're going to have that perfect relationship with God, you have to love other people. And if you don't love other people, then you cannot love God properly. You will not love God properly. And he says here in verse number 20, if you say that you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? How many of you, by raise of hands, have seen in the flesh Jesus? All right, good. We don't have any liars here today. Good. Um, you haven't seen him. Now, I have experienced God. I have seen uh, God through creation. I've seen God through other people and their love for me. I've, I've experienced God in that way, but I've never physically, with my own eyes, seen God. And I won't until the day that I go to heaven. How can I love someone, I'll use the word, whom I have not seen if I can't love the person right in front of me? 
Now, my immediate argument to God is, well, God, you're a whole lot better than that person. Have you ever tried to argue with God? God, I know what you're saying. I, I get it. I, I do. I promise God I do. But, but, you know, I mean, honestly, you're saying, how, you know, how can I not love you? Or how can I love you and not love this person? Like, have you met this person? You know what? He has. And he died for that person. You see, God loves them. I'm supposed to love them. And if I don't love them, then I can't love God. And if I say I love God, but I don't love them, I'm a liar. And I cannot have that fellowship with God. And so he says here, you have an ultimatum. Love your brother and God, or don't. It's just like we cannot serve two masters, God and mammon. We have to choose. Choose the one. Am I going to serve God, or am I going to serve not God? It's the only options I have. Same is true with love. I'm either going to love God and people, or I'm not going to love either. Because I can't love God and not love you. And you can't love God and not love me. Ha ha, take that. Uh, you know, so, so you have to love me. You're stuck. I have to love you. You have to love each other. Why? Because I cannot love God if I don't love you. And he says in verse 21, this commandment have we from him, God, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Which is why when Jesus was cornered and tried to get caught by, by these religious people and they said, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, and then without, without taking a break, without waiting for another question, he says, and the second is like unto it. Very similar. Right up there with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now jump back to 1 John in the letter to Christians. He says, here's the commandment that you've been given. Love God and love your brother. It's right there with what Jesus said. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But the second's right there with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've been around people my whole life. Um, I was fortunate to grow up in a ministry where thousands of people would come through in three months' time. I got to meet a lot of people, um, experience a lot of different uh, uh, aspects of America with people coming from different states and different places. I had the opportunity to travel a lot as a kid as well, and we'd be in different states and different places. And, and I've been able just to see just the way that a wide variety of personalities, a wide variety of people, a wide variety of backgrounds. And I'll tell you, I think it's safe to say that there's a reason why God emphasized so much the importance of loving one another. Because there are so many churches today that are characterized by gossiping, backbiting, judgmental mindsets. And not too many churches that are characterized by love. And God says, you, the church, you say that you love me. But do you love each other? Because if you don't, you're a liar. You don't love me. Now, we're a small church. 
we all know each other pretty well. We've had opportunities to fellowship over lunches and activities and different things like that and moving buildings and doing all kinds of things. Do we love each other? I think we would all admit there are days that we don't. But how about on a regular basis? Can I at least put that out to you? How about on a regular basis? Now, if you, even for a short time, you need to get it right with God. But, uh, you know, we're, we, I say we're not allowed to use this as an excuse for humans. Um, so we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall. We're going to fail, whatever it may be. But how about on a regular basis? Do you love, do you love one another? And do they know it? <laughs> it's one thing to say, yeah, I love that person. Do they know it? Uh, how have you shown it? Well, I said good morning to him when he came in the door. Okay, That's a start. That's good. It's good that you didn't ignore him this week. Um, okay, what, what now? How do they know? And I appreciate so much. You all do a, a wonderful job of letting me and my family know that you love us. I thank you for that. And I hope that I do a good job of, of, of letting you know that we love you. How are we doing with each other? How does the person across the aisle, behind you, in front of you, do they know that you love them? How do you show that you love them? I'll tell you what, our nursery workers do a great job of showing love for the, the young families in our church. And we've got a small rotation of people that, that rotate through and, and help out. And, and, and I know there are days where, like, just like everybody else goes, I really don't want to be in the nursery. <laughs> but because they love, they do. And the people who clean the church... It's, it's an act of love. And mowing the grass, it's an act of love. Singing, it's an act of love. Teaching, it's an act of love. Every aspect of, of church uh, involvement is an act of love. So you're showing that you love God. You're showing that you love the church as a whole. But make sure you're showing each other that you love each other. Make sure you are loving each other. Make sure that we are loving each other because we cannot love God if we don't love each other. And this letter written to Christians tells us exactly that, point blank, no question about it. So, use the example of love that Christ gave us. Mirror that love in your life to others and understand you have an ultimatum. You get to pick. Are you or aren't you? Are you going to love each other and love God? Or are you going to be a liar? That's your choice. Lord, help us to love like we're supposed to love. You've given us the greatest example. Lord, you've proven to us time and time again that you love us. Lord, would you help us to love each other? Would you be able to uh, give us the strength, uh, Lord, give us the victory in our own lives over the, the, maybe our upbringing, our personality, uh, to overcome these things, to make sure that, that our brother and sister in Christ know that we love them. Lord, I believe that all of us desire to love and follow you, but oftentimes we fall short because we don't love each other. So God, help us. Help us this morning to love one another. And I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'd like to ask you a couple questions before the piano plays. Question number one, if you're here this morning and we've talked about loving God, um, and we talked about how to be one another, how to be a brother or sister in Christ, and you've never, you've never become that. You've never asked God to save you. There's never been a moment in your life where you said, God, save me. 
and you're here this morning and you'd say, Preacher, please don't embarrass me and don't call me out, but I'd be okay if you prayed for me. Is there anybody here this morning that would say, I've never asked Jesus to save me. Would you pray for me, Preacher? Anybody like that this morning? Okay, then by, by what you're saying, by not raising your hand, is that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. And if that's the case, are you loving one another? Do you love the person next to you, the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person in the other room, the person who, who's preaching to you, the person? Do you love each other? Do we love one another? If God spoke to you this morning about the need to love better, and I just encourage you in just a moment, just go to God and ask Him to help you. Ask Him for forgiveness if you need it, and ask Him to help you move forward to have what you need, to be what you need to be to love one another. Would you stand with me, please? The piano is going to play. The invitation is open. You can come to the front if you'd like. You stay at your seat if you'd like. Um, but this morning, if God spoke to you, I ask you, would you just go to Him and seek His help? look this way. Uh, you know the song, Oh How I Love Jesus? If you don't, it's 183 in, in the songbook. But there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Let's just sing the first verse together. You ready? There is a name. <clears throat> there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the example you give us. Uh, may we leave here today loving each other better, I pray, and loving you better, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're back at 1 o'clock. If you can join us, sure love to have you. Uh, we, I love you. Thank you for being here this morning. Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.